This sermon audio is presented to you by Pastor Tommy Brandon and Calvary Church of Fort Worth. For more information, visit our website at calvaryftw.com. Well, let's get right into the Word of the Lord. We're in our second week. We're in our second week of a series called Timeless. I started a little series last Sunday. I only have three I only have three Sundays in June to be able to speak to you, the first of which we had a guest speaker, and I started this series last week, and I want to pick right up where we were. We're going to go to the book of Philippians today. If you'll take out your Bibles and keep it open to Philippians 4, Philippians 4 is where we're going to go here shortly, but before we get there, I just kind of want to set things up for us, talking about timeless. Everybody say the word timeless. The word timeless suggests that something is as good or as beautiful today as it's ever been. It's as good or beautiful today than it's, that, as it's ever been before. Something timeless is not affected by the changes in society. Now, the opposite of timeless is dated. Everybody say dated. If something's dated, it means it's stuck. It's stuck in a particular age, a particular time, and it's no longer relevant anymore. Now, last Sunday, during the first part of this series, I spoke on this subtopic, something that I feel really strong about, and that was that one of the timeless, uh, one of the timeless instructions of the Bible is that we all need some good, classic, close friendships. And close friends, they, they do a few things for you. They serve with you. They protect you. They pray with you. They produce fruit together in your life. Timeless friendships are special friendships. And how we looked at that was in the five chapters of John John 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17, it's the last night of Jesus' life. And he showed us what close friendships look like. Now, having fun with you guys last week, I, I, I thought that I would get some street cred with this 1130 service, so I tried to talk real cool, and, and I used the word uh, that, that, that I told you guys that my daughter's corrected me on. I always say if I like something, I say, that's a bad truck. That's a bad car. Like even today, I saw that 66 Fast uh, Mustang out there, and I said, that is a bad car. Well, my daughter has corrected me, and Madison, you're, you're of the same age group as Selah. Selah corrected me and said, Dad, no one says that anymore. You're really dating yourself. Nobody says that if something's good, you don't say bad. It's just not cool to say that. And I'm like, dude, are you trying to tell me I'm old and I'm out of touch? So I kind of I started looking around, trying to learn something new and fun, and, and, I, and, I, and I learned the word on fleek. So I tried to drop it last week. I tried to drop on fleek to try to, you know, just try to make y'all think I'm cooler than what I am. And, and learned from somebody in the 1130, when church was over, they said, don't say on fleek. Nobody says that anymore. And I'm like, you got me kidding me. Nobody says bad. Nobody says on fleek. And they said, you need to use the word lit. And I'm like, you don't understand. I'm of the generation that something lit means a whole nother thing. 
<laughs> my dad used to ask me, are you lit? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so I can't, I can't come to the pulpit and use lit. You know what I'm saying? So I'm done. I'm done with trying with the cool words. I'm done with it because on fleeks out, lit's can't go there yet. And, and, and you know, bad is still bad bad I guess I don't I don't know so we're just going to move on from all that and we're talking about things that never go out of style they're always current they're always in and one of those was last Sunday friendships it doesn't matter what era of time you live in we all need some close friends somebody say amen well today on Father's Day I want to dedicate this sermon to all the fathers in the room and to those that play the fatherly role. Like, you know, after the second service, I had a really awesome one-on-one conversation with a single mom, and it just blessed me so much to hear her say, you know, I know this is a Father's Day message, but I'm going to take that message, and I'm going to apply it in my own life as a single mom. And I thought that was so good. So for all of us that are, that are trying to build a home not a house, we're not talking about brick and mortar, we're talking about a home. This sermon's for you because it's a timeless message, and here it is. A home of affirmation. Everyone say affirmation. So that's what we're going to be talking about for the next few moments. It's timeless, it's classic, it's never going to go out of style to be affirming. So if it's true that my thoughts... If my thoughts become my choices, and the sum total of all my choices define my life, then I better make sure that I'm thinking the right thoughts. Did you catch that? If my thoughts produce my choices, and my choices define my life, then I better make sure that my thoughts are right. I was standing here on campus recently in the hall, and I was talking to someone that has found themselves in a pretty tough predicament in life, and I was standing there listening to them tell me of the situation that they've now created for themselves, and out of frustration, they threw their hands over their face, and they said the the words that most of us have said at some point in our lives, I want you to say it with me. They threw their hands over their face. They said, I don't know what I was thinking. I don't know what I was thinking. Most mistakes we make, most poor choices we make, as soon as they're made, we, we say the words, I don't know what I was thinking. I don't know why I ran that red light. I don't know what I was thinking. I don't know why I went out with that guy. I don't know what I was thinking. I should never have taken that job. I don't know what I was thinking. I just got out of credit card debt. I don't know why I've swiped 300 more dollars this week. I don't know what I was, say it again, thinking. So if my thoughts need to be sharper, if I need to adjust my thinking, is there anything in the word of the Lord that can help me think differently? Yes, Philippians 4. And let's look at verse number 8. Philippians 4. In verse number 8, 
and including verse 9. And I have here my, my Bible that I, I work from, that I live from, that I study from is, is a King James Bible. But I, found, I find value in studying different transliterations of Scripture to help piece things together. And the message is one that I want to read to you from today. The message says in verse number 8, I'd say you'll do best. I'm already sold. You're going to tell me how I'm going to do best. Not better. How I'm going to do best? I'm ready. Tell me. You'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious. If you're going to fill your mind with something, you're going to do best if you fill your mind, which is the pump house of our thoughts, if you fill your mind with things that are true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, and gracious, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna do best this way. But then the message uses a punctuation mark that I've not seen in the King James Version. It's the dash. The message puts a dash. In other words, have you ever texted somebody and you said, hey, meet me at the restaurant and you, and you thought, well, they're not going to know what that means. So you throw the dash on there and you say, chilies. The dash means I need to tell you more to give you more information. I need to clarify what I'm assuming you get. I'm going to go further and make sure that we're on the same page. Paul says, you're going to do best by filling your minds and meditating on things. True, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious. Dash, you ready? Sums it up. The best... Not the worst. Now some of you are taking a nap and it's way too early in the day to take a nap. You're going to do best by thinking on the best, not the worst. There's a lot of us in this 1130 service that spend way too much energy thinking on the worst case scenarios. We're thinking on the worst case possibilities. We're thinking, what if we lose our job? What if she leaves me? What if the kid doesn't graduate high school? I'm going to have to have him live in my basement the rest of my life. What if? What if? What if the economy fails? What if? What if? And we think the worst. And the Bible says if you'll think the best, not the worst, that's how things are going to be good. And then it goes on. Think on the beautiful, not the ugly. Things to praise, not things to curse. Put into practice what you learned from me, what you heard and saw and realized. Do that, and God, who makes everything work together, will work you into his most excellent harmonies. Everyone say the word harmony. Are there any singers in the room? If you like to sing, raise your hand. I I see Colt raising his hand. Yeah, you guys raise your hand. Let me tell you something. There's something beautiful to hear people sing in harmony. That means they're singing different parts, but they're going in the same direction. They make beautiful music together. So if you were to throw me in the mix with Colt, with Tricia, and I was to sing in harmony with them, you would say, slow down, somebody 
is off. And of course, you know me, I'd say it's cold. And Trisha would say, it's not cold, it's you, Pastor. And I'd say, Trish, you're deaf. I'm on. I'm on. And you know what the two of them would agree to? They would say, your own, yeah, your own, your own part that has nothing to do with our parts. This is where we get in trouble, ladies and gentlemen. God wants you to be in harmony with him, in step with him, on the same page with him. Here's a word. God wants you to be in synergy with him, but most of the time we're singing our own part. We think it all sounds good, but it's out of tune. It's out of whack. Nobody is enjoying the music we're making. It's because we're not in harmony with the word of the Lord or the spirit of God. And it comes all the way back to my thoughts. If my thoughts are not on what is best, my thoughts will make me choose poorly. Everyone take your index finger. Touch your brain. We're trusting by faith in Jesus' name. There's something in there. And I want you to say this out loud. Heavenly Father, help me become disciplined in my thinking. It's critical that our thoughts are right and healthy because our thoughts are going to ultimately become our choices. Not only that, if I start thinking right, I can speak right. Because the proper order is to think before you speak. Is there anybody else other than me that gets that backwards sometimes? Anybody else in the room that you speak and then you think, why did I say what I said? The order is to think before you speak. Not speak and then think, is there a back door that I can run out of here with? The proper order is to think and speak. And if I can get my thoughts right, John, if I can think better, if I can think on the beautiful and not the ugly, if I can think on the right and not the wrong, if I can think on the godly and not the sinful, if I can think right, hey, I can speak right. And my words create my world. Let me put it this way. Loving thoughts produce gracious words. Faithful thoughts produce truthful words. Peaceful thoughts produce reconciling words. But if my thoughts are bitter, my words will be bitter. If my thoughts are judgmental thoughts, my words are going to be judgmental words. If my thoughts are critical, my words are going to be critical. That's why Jesus tells us in Luke chapter 6, it's out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. You ever said something and then tried to make it right by saying, I didn't really mean that. You know, there's this hot thing right now in students that drives me nuts. It's they say something real mean and follow it up with JK. It took me a while to figure out what JK was. No, you weren't JKing. You're just trying to cover that up by saying JK. When in reality you meant it. Because if you, you spoke it, 
It's out of the heart that the mouth speaks. So we better get a hold of our thoughts where we can get a hold of our words. If we're going to have affirming homes, if we're going to be people that bless others with our words, then we better start with our thoughts. If my thoughts are right, I can speak right. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29 says, Let everything you say, let everything you say be good and helpful. So that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Don't you love spending time with people that every word out of their mouth makes you feel better? I've got a few of my friends that, that, that we do a golf trip every year. We do a golf trip every year and there's one guy in particular. I could hit the absolute worst shot in the world. Oh man, that's going to be all right. That's not going to put you in a bad spot. Oh, man, you're going to be just fine. And I got another friend of mine that I can hit it right down the middle. And that little rascal go, ooh, I hope that didn't land in a divot. I hope that didn't find its way into a little hole. And I'm thinking, man, why are you going to put that curse on me? I'm going to pray that foul spirit out of your life before this golf trip's over. I want to be around people that when they speak over me, that it's life-giving, that it's positive, that it's affirming. Now you say, why are you going to preach like this on Father's Day? Because the power of the words of a father can be life-giving or death. The Bible tells us that the tongue is the, it's the, it's the rudder that dictates life and death. Out of the power of the tongue is life and death. And every father in the room, when we're looking at our wife or our step, uh, our stepchildren or our biological children, or if we're speaking to a boss, if we're speaking to an employee, no matter what, your words are going to create your world. And you want to have words that are life-giving words that produce health and blessing, not curse. Can somebody say, I receive the word of the Lord? I hope you do. Because this is life-changing stuff that I'm talking about today. Every daddy in the room, whenever you're holding that child that's, that's young enough to be held, or whenever you're driving in the car and they're in the, in the, in the shotgun seat, is that teenager with you? Or whether you're, you're, you're at home sitting in the, around the dinner table, every word carries weight. And it's our job as fathers to speak life over our homes and to call out the champion in our children, to pull the winner out of our kids. And we do it how? By our words. We don't kill dreams. We fuel dreams. We don't condemn. We connect. And then we do correct at times, but we connect. Now, all the single moms in the room, this applies to you as well. It's the power of the word that comes out of your mouth. Ephesians 4, the same chapter, Ephesians 4, unlike verse 29 that tells us, let everything you say be good and helpful. Ephesians 4, 32 reminds us to look for opportunities. Be looking for opportunities to speak kind, tender-hearted words to one another. You got to look for a chance to tell a kid, that's a pretty picture that you just drew. 
you got to look for an opportunity to tell a boy, wow, man, you really caught that ball well. you got to look for an opportunity to tell your young female athlete, man, that was a, you ran so fast on that play. you got to look for opportunities to shape them, to call the champion out in them, because your words carry crazy amount of weight. One wrong spoken word at the wrong time could devastate a child. Wow, that was a really dumb move. Wow, don't you regret that? That was pretty stupid. And the next thing you know, you feel the weight of those father's words. And where do they come from? From the wrong thought. Because whatever is in your heart will eventually make its way out of your mouth. Can I preach to somebody today? You don't just slip up and say that. It was in your heart. So you better get out that, that the word of the Lord, and you better get out the Holy Spirit, and you better just start pouring that word of God in to where when you're in the opportunity to shape a life, that what comes out of your mouth is life-giving and not destructive. Proverbs 10, chapter, chapter 10, verse 11. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. His words of wisdom are a source of blessing. Man, do I want to be a source of blessing in my home. I do not want to be the root or the source. I don't want to be the ground level of the curse in my home. I want to be the fountain of life in my home. Is this all right, everybody? I want to be the source of blessing. So let's build a house of affirmation. I want to take you to, without question, a life-changing passage of Scripture for me. I've seen this Scripture in a whole new way these last several weeks. Pretty much since school was out. I've seen this passage of Scripture in a different way, and I hope that I can speak it and teach it and share it in a way that it changes your life. Take out your Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 5, verse number 14. You know, these last several weeks, we've had, we've had a, a rush in our, in our culture. We've had a, a rush towards the question of the purpose of life. And we've had some folks choose to have a clinical approach, a very cerebrally targeted approach of of more clinical clinical, uh, evaluation of the mind, trying to think and ask questions such as, how do people get to the point of not knowing their purpose to the place that they take their life? And can I tell you right out of the word of the Lord, Matthew chapter 5 is where we're going to go. You're going to see the purpose of life. Like you've not seen it before. Every single one of us in this room have a great purpose. If you've ever asked yourself, why was I even born? Why am I here? Jesus answers it clearly. And every dad and father in the room, this is why you were born. And this is why we have to indoctrinate our children with this truth. Jesus says in Matthew 5, the purpose of life. Are you ready for it? Matthew 5, verse 14. You're here 
To be light. Why am I here? To be light. To be light. You're here to be light. And it was almost as though our Heavenly Father looked at the earth that he created. And yes, he said to the earth, let there be light. And there was light. You you better believe that's what took place. But he also noticed as sin would rise, darkness would come. And God looked at the earth and he said, I need some light on earth. So he created people. He created people. Every single one of us have been created with the purpose of shining light. And it goes on to say this, light, bringing out the God colors in the world. So every time I hug my daughter, every time I pat her on the back, every time as a father, as an earthly dad, every time that I provide for them a a, a meal, every time that I tuck them in at night into bed, every time I lean down and I kiss their little cheek and I say the same prayer every single night over their life, what I'm doing is expressing God colors. I've got enough people trying to turn out the light in my life. Can I get an amen to that? I got enough people trying to unplug the light in my life. I want to be, I want to be around people that are light givers, that are, that are giving off God colors, the colors of God, of love and kindness and gentleness and blessing. I want to I be that person. That gives off God's light. Here's how it reads. He says, God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this. As public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Everybody say the word shine. I'm, I'm, me and Denora, we, we, we were so funny. The other day, we did something that we've laughed at other parents for doing. We've been in youth ministry for so many years. We've had to go to so many birthday parties. We've been in so many ball games. We've been in so many graduations. I'm telling you, we've done it. We've done it, done it, done it. And every time, we've laughed at parents that want to show off their kids. And now we're that parent showing off our kids. We had somebody come to our house the other day, and we're standing in the kitchen, and we're just talking casually. And the next thing you know, Denora says, hey, baby, go get your artwork. And I'm like, oh, boy, here we go. We're fixing to strut and show off our kids. I remember as, as being a kid, I remember my dad would always say, hey, this is my son, Tommy. Tommy, do, 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 do something. <laughs> and I'm like, I have nothing to do. Just do something. I'm like, what do you want me to do? Do a flip? Do do, do something. That's my boy. Do, Do something good for him. All of us love our offspring, our children so much that we want to let them shine. God loves you so much that he wants you to shine. The purpose of life is to shine the light of God. Because down deep in every weird dad and down deep in every weird mom, we know that when our kids are shining, we are too. So 
Every time that they do something good, we say, look, look at that. That's, that's my daughter. Are you tracking with me? And God's saying, hey, I need you to go shine in this world. I need you to go shine in this world. Almost as though God's saying, I want the world to see me in you. Your purpose is to be light in a dark environment where people can see me. Matter of fact, he even goes further and says it straightforwardly. He says, keep open house, be generous with your lives. You ready? By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God. I say it this way. Live a life that draws people to you. So you can lead them to Jesus. Every young person in the room today, every student that's in, that's in elementary, junior, or high school, live a life that draws other kids to you so that you can lead them to Jesus. Now let's get real straightforward. It's Father's Day. Every daddy in the room, every mother in the room, live a life where your kids are drawn to you. So that you can lead them to Jesus. I got a little emotional in the second service because my dad was here today. And I told this little illustration. I was recently in Oklahoma City with one of my lifelong friends from school. School years. Junior high. High school years. And not only were we close friends from school. But we went to church together. We played on high school golf teams together. We traveled together. We were around one another a lot. And our families were around one another a lot. And just this past week, this gentleman said, you know, I always envied how loving your dad was towards you. Well, then he reminded me of something that used to drive me nuts. He reminded me of something that used to embarrass me as a 15, 16, 17-year-old boy. My dad would just love to hug me, and he would even kiss me on the cheek, on the cheek. We have our limits in southwest Louisiana. He's on the cheek. Amen. Hallelujah. Listen, he had kissed me on my cheek, and my buddies would be around, and I'd be like, be kissing me on my cheek. And my buddy just told me yesterday, we're mid-40s, raising our own kids, and he said, I always envied how your father would affirm you in his love for you. And the older I get, I get it. Thoughts develop into choices. Your words create your world. And every son and every daughter, stepson, stepdaughter, every child in formative years that have a covering or a guardian over their life must have someone that a Firms them, that blesses them, that doesn't curse them. Because there's plenty of people that are wanting to squander their dreams and curse their future and place detrimental life taking obstacles in their path. But every dad in the room, you hear me and hear me well, I'm asking you, join me, partner with me in trying to build homes of affirmation. Homes that 
are full of hugs, homes that are full of kisses, homes that are full of laughter, homes that are full of fun, homes that are full of joy. Man, oh man, I want my house to be the place that it's life-giving and exciting to be in. Because we only get one chance at this thing called being a dad. So we better get it right. And he says, open up to others. You'll prompt them to open up to God. I come with conviction upon every daddy in this room. Would it not be the greatest testimony of all time that when you and I get to heaven, the records reveal Tommy Brandon, you were a great businessman in your community. You were a great pastor. Oh, you did that really good. Oh, the car show, that Father's Day, that was a home run. Tommy Brandon, you were a good husband. Tommy Tommy Brandon, your daughters made it to heaven because they followed their father as he followed Jesus. If you'll affirm them. They'll want to be around you. I said something kind of crass in the second service, and I probably shouldn't have. But I'm going to go ahead and just repeat it here. Dads don't get a trophy for being the butt. Meaning, good dads aren't always the mean ones. You don't have to be that guy. Discipline, yes. Correction, without question. But you can't correct until you connect. So I'm raising up some of us around this church. I'm calling on his fathers. I'm calling on his daddies. Let's be those men that affirm our families. That blesses our children. And that they want to be around us. I want you to stand with me this morning, and I want you to just kind of stay right where you are, and I want to do something kind of different here. If you're, if you're raising children that are in high school or, or younger, if you've got kids that are in high school or younger, I want you to quickly come, and I want you to stand with me in the front. If you've got kids that are in high school or younger, bring your wife, bring your kids if you're holding your kids. People that have kids that are in high school and younger, these are, these are for the ladies, the men. If you've got kids in high school or younger, I want you to come. And I want you to kind of stand right down here in the front. <clears throat> wow. I love you, John. I love you, Jeannie. Awesome. Man, yeah, this half the service. Y'all come on down here. Make room, make room, make room. Y'all, y'all press on down here because it's kind of getting crowded on that aisle. We're heavy in the baby section right here, right here's baby Mecca right here. Wow. Scott, man, you're one of the good ones, bro. Art, Caleb, man, I'm looking around this service. Killer. Toby. Listen to me, everybody. That's right down here. Hi, Mama. My goodness, you're just gorgeous. I have that impact on most ladies. 
And for those that don't quite get what I just said, I said she's gorgeous. She went. (laughs) For every dad, every mother, every couple, every single mom in this altar, I just want to speak over you. You get one chance at this. That's all we get. And I guess I'm a little bit tender today because I'm realizing it's, it's happening quick. So if it's happening this fast, then I need to stop in my tracks and preach a sermon the way I'm preaching it. Change your thoughts, fellas. Single moms, change your thoughts. Get a hold of your thinking. Start thinking the best. Start thinking the beautiful. Start thinking the good. Start thinking the the pure. And the better our thoughts, the better our words are going to be. Listen to me. I can preach this sermon because I'm telling you I need it. When my thoughts are not right, I can walk in and make a mess out of our house with just a few words. And here's what's crazy about a pastor, okay? I put that big spotlight right on my life. I can speak gentle, loving, kind words to every slapdab one of you and make the mistake of a wrong word to my own family. So I'm trying to spare all of us the hard pain of a wrong word at the wrong time. Affirming homes are homes that think right, that speak right. And because of our thoughts, we'll make better choices. And better choices, that means we'll live right. And at the end of the day, we'll live an attractive life that our kids will want to be around. Because they'll see Jesus. They'll see Jesus. They'll see Jesus. They'll see him in me. They'll hear him in my words. And I'll go to heaven. (laughs) And I won't, I won't just hear the words, well done, well done, thy good and faithful servant. I'm going to take my liberty in Scripture and I'm going to hear, well done, Dad. Well done, Dad. Way to get those two up here with you. Now, if he'll just come before they'll get married, I'll be grateful for it in Jesus' name. <laughs> Can I get an amen, somebody? I'm telling you, I'm believing in Jesus' name. The rapture's going to come before my kids. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm, I'm, likely, I'm likely to kill a step, a, a, a step, listen to me, a son-in-law. I'm likely to kill a son-in-law. So I'm just praying in Jesus' name that the Lord will come. Let me pray this blessing over you on this Father's Day. Man, you guys are beautiful. I just love you. I bless you, Edgar. I bless you, Jared and Aaron. I bless you men, your beautiful wives and kids. I bless Eric. I know he's busy today. I bless your family. Jacob, I bless you. Mike, I can go around this whole room, man. I love all of you men. Let's pray over these in the altar today. Lord, I just thank you for these beautiful homes that are represented in this altar, raising babies, bringing children up, 
trying to do the very best they can with what they have. But silver and gold have I none, but that which I have I give to thee in the name of Jesus. Rise and be the mother and the father that God's calling you to be. Rise and be light in the dark world. Rise up and be light-giving, life-giving, and may it be words of blessing and affirmation over your home and marriage and children. May the Holy Spirit lead you and guide you. May his grace be upon you and give you all the equipping and the empowering you need to raise up those that will be saved. In the name of Jesus, I pray and I receive it done by faith. Let's clap our hands to the Lord today. Amen. Amen. I love you so much. And I want you to have a wonderful rest of your day. There might be left some cold water and some snacks outside. But I think the car show is going to be over around noon. Who knows who all is still there. But I want you to have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day. And thank you for being a part of this last service of my day. It's my, it's my favorite service. I love this service. And I just bless all of you in the name of the Lord. Happy Father's Day. May God be with you. I'll see you Wednesday night at 7. If not, I'll see you Sunday at one of the three services. You're dismissed.